Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, Britcheroli here with you on this Friday. It is trade deadline Friday. We are recording just after 11.30 Eastern time, so we've got four and a half hours before the deadline, and I am hoping, praying, willing with all of my strength that we get breaking news during the pod because we didn't on Wednesday and I love nothing more than the Eno breaking news cut in. So we'll be watching Twitter. We're talking about the deals that already happened. We're going to talk about a teardown happening in D.C. Ever since Britt has joined the show, there has been a surprising (laughs) amount of Nationals content to talk about. And it's not by design. We are not only talking about the Nats because <laughs> that was Brit's old beat. It's just the way things have played out so far. The teardown is in progress. Now, the mega deal, the big deal from Thursday, is not actually official just yet. That's the Max Scherzer-Trey Turner trade with guys like Josiah Gray, Kibut Ruiz, Gerardo Carrillo, and Donovan Casey supposedly going back to the Nats. So still some issues to iron out there. And there was a point on Thursday where it looked like Max Scherzer was going to San Diego. So we'll have to dig into that as well. Britt, what happened with Scherzer and San Diego? I was moving yesterday. It was another one of my moving days, like moving day like 5 of 12. So I didn't even realize that the Padres were closing in before the Dodgers swooped in and got a deal that could be finalized before today's deadline. What was your theory, though? um, Wait, you had a theory. Yeah, let's hear your theory. Oh, that's right. I had a theory I told you guys about before the show. My theory was this. The Padres were getting close, right? And let's say the Padres and the Dodgers are like uh, Frank Fritz and and Mike from American Pickers, right? The two guys in that show. And they're doing a pick, and they're, they're always looking at stuff. Frank sees an oil can and a rusty old bike that he wants. But he starts only with the oil can. In this case, Scherzer's the oil can, right? So Mike swoops in. Mike goes, oh, I got to get both. I'm going to bundle. They bundle stuff on that show all the time. So Mike swoops in and says, hey, I'll give you 250 for the old rusty Schwinn and the oil can. And just leaps ahead of Frank because he's making a more compelling offer than just 50 bucks for the oil can. And I think that, that is how the Dodgers got Trey Turner involved in the deal, right? So you have Scherzer the oil can in this example, Trey Turner, the old rusty Schwinn, because that's what they buy on that show. And the Dodgers said, the only way we can get Turner is if we actually go ahead and bundle him up with Scherzer, because then we can make a better offer with young players that we wouldn't be able to make if the deal was only for Max Scherzer. So that was my theory with how the Dodgers stepped in front of the Padres, but I have no idea how the Padres didn't just counter with something better because they've got a more robust system. Uh, I don't know what happened. I really don't. Um, there's a couple different theories out there. I think the issue with this trade more than others was that Scherzer had 10 five rights. So even if, and I had somebody after Ken Rosenthal said this is close, I had a front office executive 
text me, they're close as well. So this is something that they believed in the Nationals front office. Now, I did have somebody float the idea of, well, what if Mike Rizzo purposely played the media to drive up the price, which is another possibility. Doesn't really fit Mike Rizzo's MO, just knowing him, covering him. Yeah, he usually complains about the media, right? <laughs> He's usually like, you guys yeah, got that like, totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't see him like orchestrating these leaks so that another team steps in. I think they thought they were close to the Padres. I think what people don't factor in is Max Scherzer's agent is Scott Boris, who absolutely lives for chaos and drama. You saw John Heyman minutes before this trade came out say that the Angels are another mystery team in the mix. Like, I just kind of imagine John Scott Heyman Boris with in the, the mystery team, dude. Yeah. Always. Yeah, like you just, which you know comes from Boris. And so you, I was just kind of imagining Scott Boris sitting in the background stirring the pot, right? Like, as all this is going on, all this chaos, he's like, yeah, let's circle this way. No, Max, let's circle that way, right? Um, so I think that probably had a lot to do with it as well. I long thought, that the Dodgers made the most sense. I think we've talked about this on this show. It made the most sense in the end. The crazy part to me was them trading Trey Turner, which signaled a total rebuild. And I wrote about it this morning and and kind of why it was the tough but probably fair decision for a team whose window is, is closed. Um, but to me, I think, you know, the Padres were probably in the mix. And then the Dodgers were like, you know what? We're going to add this guy, this guy, and this guy. And I think the Dodgers system... Um, just the way it's set up, they can trade those guys and everyone's like, oh, the Dodgers gave up nothing, right? Well, the Nationals are the worst minor league system in baseball. So I think for them, it has impact. I mean, you can argue about whether they got enough for Trey Turner and people are like, well, you get Trey Turner for two years. You get Trey Turner for 14 months. Yeah, It's not like a two full season type of thing, right? Um, So I think what ultimately probably happened was the Nationals thought they were close, Max Scherzer and Scott Boris have to give it the final okay. And, you know, at the last minute, another team kind of panicked, maybe saw the reports, maybe didn't. And, you know, this is still not finalized, which shows you that there's just a lot of stuff to sift through when you're dealing with a guy who has 10-5 rights and the kind of, you know, veteran that Max Scherzer is. So um, it was a real wild day. I was up till 2 Eastern time, as I told you guys, because the Nats kept making moves after that. It was just, I, you know, people were like, don't go to bed. I'm like, but I want to. Um, <laughs> and they just kept making move after move. The Nationals really set set the tone yesterday. And I don't know if they're going to be able to um, make any more moves. I think I think they're going to try. Um, Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes. Yeah. I think he's going to be the next guy. Josh Bell, they should listen on. Like, I just love that, DVR. that there's an MLB Trade Rumors update. Two teams eyeing Jan Gomes. Okay. Yeah, eyeing. <laughs> um, I think DVR should earmuff this because I would trade Victor Robles. I would trade anyone not named Juan Soto right now. Well, you got to have somebody to play next to him. <laughs> Like literally anyone. I would trade literally everyone not named Juan Soto uh, and build around Juan Soto. Well, That's what I would do. But yeah. Yesterday was insane, guys. Don't you love this trade rumor season? Um, it is chaos. I like I, I, one thing that you said about panic uh, kind of sets in for me is that the Dodgers were like, like, we might have a one game playoff and we might be in that one game playoff against the Padres. And it would suck if the Padres rolled Max Scherzer out that for that game. So, you know, <laughs> and then uh, another thing that is kind of coming uh, to, to mind for me. It seems like a buyer's market. 
the prices on these players, I think the you know they seem fine. Like they seem like like think about it from the perspective of the Dodgers. You have right now by Fangraphs War the second best catcher in baseball in Will Smith, and you have him for another five years. So it's not like you know it's not like he's going to run out. So in the next five years, you're going to have to be like, well, what do we do with Kybert Ruiz, right? Also, Ruiz's power hasn't really come to the fore. So instead, you've got a guy who's like a, a a lot of contact, could be a good catcher, might just be a guy, you know, a catcher guy. Like, you know, a guy who's like the 15th best catcher in the big leagues or or the 20th best catcher in the big leagues. So that seems very tradable. Josiah Gray, by my stuff numbers, isn't that exciting, but also is just a pitcher. He hasn't established himself in the major leagues. He could, He still has a fairly high bust rate around him. Uh, those two pieces uh, as the headliner for a trade Turner that you're getting back for next year and the best rental pitcher, starting pitcher on the market seems like a totally attainable price. If I, if I was the Dodgers, I would have done that twice and done it a third time. So the, and then I think also of the Gallo return, the Yankees didn't give up any of their top five prospects. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty for strange as well. Months of Joey Gallo. Are you kidding me? Yeah, because well, let's focus on the Dodgers side just for a minute. How do you not get Gavin Lux if you're the Nationals in this trade? Gavin Lux is a short-term loser from this deal for sure. Because the Padres wouldn't even go to you know the Padres wouldn't even go to Hassel. I think if the Padres gone to Hassel, they would have gotten Scherzer. Would you have done that? No, but <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't in that war room. I mean, it, it must have been pretty intense. Uh, there's still Barrios on the table, and they still have you, Darvish. So, you know, they, I bet you they feel pretty good about, um, you know. But if they don't get now, there's a lot of pressure on them to get Barrios. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think for the Nats' return, it did seem one player too light. It doesn't seem like a bad return. It just was surprising to me. It, it's definitely more than they would have got if they'd only flipped Scherzer. Hence the the bundling uh, example that I threw out there as I drink from an American Pickers coffee mug this morning, which is. Kind of an interesting coincidence, but uh, (laughs) Josiah Gray, I think he's a good big league starter when it's all said and done. Probably like a number three. Maybe he becomes more than that, but I think he's a three. I think Kyber Ruiz is going to be a starting catcher in the big leagues for a long time. Even if he doesn't develop power, he's been very young for the level. He's got a very good hit tool. Finding a catcher for a half decade, that's worth quite a bit. I don't know if they're going to get a whole lot of mileage out of Donovan Casey. The numbers look really good, but he's been old for the level. I'm curious to see how quickly they give him an opportunity at the big league level. And then Carrillo, you know, who, who knows? Another pitching uh, option they have, and they need pitchers. We've talked about their inability to develop pitching on this show for a long time. To Britt's point about Robles, I think the only drawback to dealing him right now is that it's rock bottom for his value. If you can just say, okay, we've committed to not playing for this season— He's going to play every day. He's going to continue to try and learn how to adjust to big league pitching. If he finishes the season on a high note, the value ticks up. If we get to next year's trade deadline and they're still kind of playing for the future, by then you've given him a calendar year to increase his value, and he still has several years of control left, so it's not like you're really hurting yourself that much. So I think waiting on him might be the smart play just because his value has tanked so much, which absolutely breaks my heart to be completely clear also, the returns are not great in general like i would i would sell things that weren't sell uh, not nailed down and maybe keep some of them if i thought they were like there's there's some of these returns i think uh you might almost want to do the uh, uh the qualifying offer and get a pick for them instead yeah 
<laughs> I wonder if that's what the Rockies are thinking with Trevor Story right now. We'll, we'll dig into some of the other move, moves that haven't happened yet a little bit later on in the show. But you mentioned this, you know, like Joey Gallo goes to the Yankees and Anthony Rizzo goes to the Yankees. A couple of lefties getting a big park boost because it's Yankee Stadium. We've talked about that for a long time. The prospects given up in both of these deals were not overwhelming in the least. Kevin They're Alcantara, like 17 years old. Yeah, Kevin Alcantara and Alexander Vizcaino go to the Cubs in the Rizzo deal. Uh, Jolie Rodriguez also going to the Bronx with Gallo in that trade. Ezekiel Duran, Glenn Otto, Josh Smith, and Trevor Halver. I think Halver was the guy who was just on fire during the first week of the minor league season at low A. And people were like, whoa, who's this guy? And it's like, he's an old college guy at low A. Calm down. Yeah, why is he in low A? Yeah, that was weird. It's like he got assigned to a level that was too low. Let's see what he does against like double A pitching before we geek out about it. But Gallo, with a full season in Yankee Stadium next year, to me is a 50 home run threat in almost any park. In that park, he should be projected to lead the league in home runs next season. I wonder how you brought this up before we started recording, you know. How are the Yankees fans and how will the media around that team react to the hot and cold streaks that tend to be a big part of Joey Gallo's overall good body of work. You get good production in the end. The path you take to get there is a pretty long and winding road sometimes. Yeah, like the batting average won't be good. Yankees Twitter. (laughs) Don't think about batting average with Joey Gallo. Look at the OBP, look at the slugging, look at the home runs. That's what he does. Those are all good. He had a series against the Astros this year. We went 0 for 9 with six strikeouts. I'm pretty sure I was I was looking through the game log. That's 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 gonna that's gonna earn him a back page, uh, you know, back page full splash. They'll find some you know word to put with K's in it. <laughs> you know, the, there'll be some sort of pun with K's in it, and uh, and uh, people will be tearing their hair out. I don't know. Uh, I also think it's kind of more the same, like um, high OBP, high K, high power. That's what the uh, the Yankees have been doing so far this year. The, the slugging doesn't look good, but you don't look at if you look at ISO, it's fine. Like if you take out the sort of singles luck, they 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 slug, they barrel with the best of them. They they have good eyes, but they don't really have a lot of contact. Might have been interesting to see what like an Adam Frazier would have done for this team. <laughs> Yeah, 45.4% chance of making the playoffs for the Yankees as play begins on Friday. So They have to beat the A's, basically. Yep, Yankees versus A's, and we'll see what the A's are able to accomplish in the next few hours. That could obviously change things quite a bit, but you're absolutely right. It's basically down to those two teams. Cleveland kind of falling out of the race at this point. It's still possible Blue to Jays make the playoffs. Blue Jays could make a run. Yeah, mm-hmm. Blue Jays are definitely a threat. They're only two wins behind the Yankees, and they got two extra games still to play. I like this trade for the these two trades for the Yankees, though, because I do think Rizzo is more like that type of player you described. He makes a lot of contact, puts a ton of balls in play. I think he'll get a bigger boost from Yankee Stadium than Gallo, relatively speaking, because of the type of hitter that he is. Gallo hits the kinds of home runs that are just moonshots everywhere. So, uh, you know, he'll get a couple from the short porch, but Rizzo might actually get a significant bump down the stretch. We've been wondering where's his power been the last two years, but this creates a really odd situation for the Yankees. And again, this is like the 10th time this season I've thought about Lindsay Adler's Twitter mentions and just felt terrible for Lindsay. How do they make the pieces fit in this lineup once Luke Voigt comes back? Or is there another trade that possibly moves Voigt? Because they've been so reluctant to put Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield. 
But in a world where you have a healthy Rizzo and a healthy Luke Voigt, you have to play Stanton in the outfield. And if you have Stanton and Judge, they have to play the corners, which means you have to play Joey Gallo in center. So this is a, a pretty bad defensive alignment for the Yankees with this sort of high variance. Yeah, but build dingers. Tier. Dingers, yeah. I mean, a high variance. Yeah. Dinger yeah. 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 It's clear they went power over like actual, like, let's make this team stronger defensively, right? Well, though, Rizzo, though, I think is, is a good addition for them on that side, too, a little bit. But. Here's the thing I think of, guys, is that Stanton, it seems like Stanton and Judge, one of the two of them is always questionable, right? Doesn't it seem like someone's always questionable to be in that lights lineup? So Mm -hmm. I say it's a good problem to have because maybe you rest those guys a little down the stretch. Maybe you're able to give them a little bit more of a blow. Um, Yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, maybe one of those guys is sitting every night. That, that could be okay. If there's five of them, basically, or four of them, like, you know. One, two, three, four, five. There's five of them. One of them's gonna sit. That's okay. Once once a week, yeah. you get a, you get a blow. Yeah, you play the matchups. You know, I mean, the Yankees love the numbers. They love the analytics. We can talk all day about if they rely too much on that and and kind of lack the feel because there might be a little bit of an argument there that you know the driver there seems to be all all the numbers. But I think you 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 kind of have to rely on that a little bit down the stretch. Um, they have become a better team. I wonder, as we sit here today, hours before the trade deadline, if the Red Sox feel the pressure to go out and actually make some moves. I mean, they did get Kyle Schwarber last night. Dude. Um, I reported that real late last night. He's not their first baseman, though, right? He's not. He's like a an extra bat off the bench. No, I think he's their first baseman. Really? I mean, do you don't think he's he's good uh, defensively? No, he's a huge liability. <laughs> no, at first. At first. I mean, at first, at first, uh, yeah, it's better than the outfield, right? That's certainly. what I'm saying. I'm not uh, saying the outfield. I think he'd be <laughs> okay at first. I think he's their first baseman. I think he, they got the first baseman. And the cool thing about Schwarber is that there are six batters in the major leagues uh, right now that are top thirty on Fangraphs in both reach or chase rate and uh, barrels. And Gallo and Schwarber are both on that list. Hmm. So I kind of feel like the Red Sox have returned one serve. Uh, there's, there's. <laughs> They've returned the volley. <laughs> they returned the volley. They're in the game. They do need another one, another uh, shoot a drop. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know who it is because they, I guess they're probably in on Barrios. But if if it's Preller versus Heim Bloom for you know who's going to give up the best prospect for Barrios, it's going to be Preller, right? Because of what's in the cupboard and Preller having possibly lost out on Scherzer is yeah. going to be fairly motivated. extra motivated. I expect Preller to. If there's any way for the for Preller to somehow stop the Scherzer to the Dodgers situation, if it's still pending a few hours from now, Preller's going to come in feet first through the glass on a rope and just like <laughs> make the best offer of all time in a trade and just get it done because that guy is just he's, he's nuts when it comes to trading. He's just well, if he puts Hass on the table, maybe he'll. I think maybe he could get rid of the Will Myers money. I just don't see them being able to get rid of Eric Hosmer money. No. So maybe it'll yeah. be like Myers, Hassel, and or instead of Hassel, maybe Weathers or Paddock, like a major league pitcher, you know? Um maybe. and then for Barrios and something, I don't know. Yeah. When the Scherzer rumors were going, people were like, Oh, are they gonna take the Hosmer money? I was like, Are you crazy? Nobody wants to Hos- take the Hosmer money. Yeah. Like, they're not taking the Hosmer money. Um for Max Scherzer, like, it doesn't make sense. But I do think today um, the Padres kind of have to make some kind of – I think Preller's probably itching to make a move, right? Probably mad he missed out on Scherzer. Yes, they got Daniel Hudson last night. I don't consider that 
the the move by a team that's right now in third place, right? They have to go out and do more. I don't know what that is. Hudson has the second best stuff among available relievers. So I think they got their sort of Craig Kimbrell for much less. They did. And I thought he was better for the Giants. I thought that was a blow to the Giants. And it seems like, you know, Giants fans are kind of sitting there wondering like, hey, what are we going to do? I still I still think maybe some sort of Kimbrell Bryant um, package to the Giants. I think they're going to they're going to take some money on. But uh, the Red Sox, the Red Sox, what can they do? John Gray, <laughs> apparently the newest rumor is that the the, the Rockies are not going to tra- trade John Gray, which is like, what? Why? Couldn't you send Bard and Gray to the Red Sox and get like one good prospect? Yeah. I mean, we still have four hours, guys. So Gray could be gone by the time this episode actually drops into people's feeds. Right. Um, I always wonder how much posturing this time of the year, right? Like, we're not trading John Gray. Like, the Nationals a few days ago. But it's we have useless. To be blown away it's... to move Trey Turner. And then they move him, and it's not like a blow away, away deal. <laughs> yeah. It's very reasonable. He was very reasonably priced. Yeah. He was like a Costco but priced player on the trade posturing market. Posturing on yeah. a rental starter. Yeah, this wasn't a Whole Foods deal. Posturing um, on a rental just doesn't seem like it's going to get you very far. We've seen the prices on rentals. They're not exciting. Ever try to break a bad habit and feel like you're climbing Everest in flip-flops? We've all been there. But here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. It's not about giving up. It's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash barrels, getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use our code barrels to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash barrels to save 10% off the journey pack today. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm looking at the Boston depth chart again, and I'm skeptical of Schwarber playing first base, not because I don't think he can do it, but because teams haven't asked him to do it. I think he's played one game at first base as a big league player. Yeah, so... Maybe they'll do that, but I'd wonder if they'll just play Hunter Renfro a little bit less. You know, maybe go with more of like a platoon 
in that spot. This gives them a little bit of insurance with Jaron Duran. You know, if Duran doesn't hit enough in the final two months, they could put Kike back out there or they could move Verdugo into center field and then play Schwarber and Renfro in the corners together. I mean, there's versatility. One key. game at first base. One. Yeah. That's amazing. I thought going back to the offseason, back when the Brewers were looking for a first baseman, other teams were looking for a first baseman, I said, why not Kyle Schwarber? At one point, teams thought he could yeah, at least catch a little bit. Give him all of spring training to, yeah. to work on it, right? You have to ask Ron Washington if, if, what he thinks about it. We really need that drop uh, just readily available because <laughs> yeah. it's an all-time great Ron Washington moment. But He told me he didn't actually say that. Oh, come on, Hollywood, <laughs> you jerks. Just be oh, decent God. once in a while, but Hollywood. About the Hosmer thing, I did ask an exec about this. Uh, <laughs> I think my problem is that I want to ask the exec the top-level questions, and r- right now is not a great time to ask them, like, you know. So I did ask, like, what's it like to move money right now? And they're like, practically impossible. Hmm. And that's yeah. all I got in response because they also had to respond to 18,000 other text messages from other people. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, it's all about luck, I think, this time of the year, too. People don't realize, like, when you're texting and calling people, you as long as you – if you are that person at the top – this is what one guy told me. If you're the person at the top of their chain, they're going to answer you first. They're not going to go scrolling back and be like, oh, you know what? Brittany bothered me two hours ago with this same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, No. Oh. A lot of it's just about timing. Like, who's at the top? That's terrible. That means that you just have to keep texting people. That's awful. I mean, you just, like, are a pest for, like, I feel I feel like I'm a pest during this whole trade deadline. Ew. Just pesting. It's just people not calling you back, you know? You just keep calling and calling. You're mm. like, not going to stop. Not going to stop. Um, but, yeah, I, that's kind of Do you guys, how, like, as readers and followers of me, do you want me to do more of that? <laughs> You're like a numbers guy. Though, I don't I feel want like, to know. do it. <laughs> you don't need to be texting guys at like midnight about Kyle Schwarber. Right. Like I had to do yeah. last night. Well, then I got a quick yes. So I was like, oh, then you have to hurry up. It's so stressful. Uh. <laughs> so you want to break news. Yeah, not not a lot of fun. Uh, well, Boston, I think, will try to get one more starting pitcher. Like that, That's still on the table for me. I think they'd still like an actual infield upgrade, too, because it takes a lot of pressure off of Bobby Dahlback and some of the guys they've been trotting out there at second base. I know Christian Arroyo's had a difficult time staying healthy. They've played Michael Chavis there a bit. Uh, but I think that's one area where they could definitely use help, the right side of the infield in particular. Carlos Santana was my name. I still like that name. That could work, yeah. 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 Are they players for Barrios still? I don't, I, don't I, I don't see them linked to him. I see a lot of other... I've seen no. the Padres. I've seen the Mariners. Uh, speaking of trade itch, my goodness, Jerry DePoto, as expected, he has a permanent case of trade itch. I think it's more of like a seasonal rash for a lot of GMs, but Jerry yeah. DePoto always has the trade itch. Hey, yeah. did you guys see in, a, in non-trade deadline news last night, speaking of Seattle, that Hector Santiago was suspended for testosterone for, what, 80 games? 80. Something like yep. that? And then just this morning, Starling Castro, um, 30 games for violating the domestic violence um, policy, and the Nationals are going to release him at the end of the season. So there's been like a lot of movement right now if you're not paying attention um, beyond the trade rumors. Starling Castro already had something in his past? Yeah. um, I I think I reported it two weeks ago when they put him on that list. Yeah. And he had something they were investigating, and obviously they, whatever it was, they found 
Um, no, but I'm and saying he's like, getting 30 games. He already had something. Oh, yes. Yeah. From Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. He had an incident in Chicago, which apparently uh, never went to trial, which uh. I think people think automatically it's like, oh, well, there wasn't anything there. No, there's tons of reasons why things I mean, don't go to trial. It's yeah. smoke, at um, least. Yeah, it's not necessarily um, a case of no evidence, but yeah, a lot, a lot going on. I I feel like after the trade deadline, I always have to like go to the transaction page or scroll through trade rumors and figure out who's on what team now and like what has actually happened. Right? It's really hard to keep track of everything going on. I mean, who can we put in the Boston if it's not Barrios? Yeah, I'm looking at the the official rumors do not link uh, Boston. It's probably because Heim Bloom does not want to give up uh, big prospect names. You know. He wants well, to hold on yeah. to his. But a rental, I still think, like, you know, Gray Bard, that would be a fun little thing. Kyle Santana's Gibson? Santana's not going to cost much because he costs some money and the the Royals aren't going to be good this year or next year. Mm-hmm. What about Kyle Gibson? Yeah. Gibson? That's that's a name I thought would get some more rumors here, like, over the last 24 hours that I feel like we haven't really heard much about, right? Or have I been in my Nats bubble? I haven't really heard any trade rumors with him at no. all. As we sit here, um, is he under contract for another I do. year? Um, I thought he was under team control, and that's what made him like a guy that people were like, "All right, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely roll the dice there." Like you had him free for agent, more than that rental. Free agent twenty twenty three. Yep, he's got one more year left. It's a three year twenty eight million dollar deal that he signed with the Rangers prior to the twenty twenty season for Gibson. So, well, if you just trade a Gallo that you know is under control for next year, then yeah. you then you're then you're saying that. You know, we're open for business on people that are signed for next year, too. Yeah, but maybe a little harder to get someone to trade for him just because of the money owed next year. It seems like that's a pretty big deterrent, maybe less so for contenders who are expecting to have full stadiums in October. One thing about Boston that's yeah. really interesting to me is that I think that stadium is very weird and um, <laughs> in terms of how it plays. Right. And I think that certain pitchers just wouldn't have success there. And certain pitchers that you wouldn't expect might have success there. Think of uh, 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 Nick Pavetta. He's coming from an NL park that is hitter friendly, but they, you know, move some things around and change some th- aspects of his uh, approach and his uh, pitching mix. And uh, he's been a credible starting pitcher. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have said if you fail in Philadelphia, you're going to fa- fail in Boston. Uh, but they've had other pitchers that have gone there that have just not found success. So, like, I, they could look at Kyle Gibson and be like, "This is this approach. Like, we this isn't going to work in Fenway. Like, for whatever reason, they're just people are just going to pepper the wall off him or this or that." Um, so I don't know. I, but if if John Gray can find success in Coors, you think that he could go to <laughs> Fenway? So I'm going to bang that drum for a while, even though there's absolutely no reason, uh, no rumors behind it, uh, no sourcing. Uh, it's just one of those Eno specials. Bard and Gray to the Red Sox, because I said so. Those are the best. I do feel like, <laughs> at, you know, no matter what happens, like, usually that last hour is chaos. So we're taping this. We, we are not at that last hour point yet. We're going to see a lot of guys move. And, like, you can agree on a deal a few minutes before the deadline. And as long as the agreement is in place, it could still happen, right? Like, right. as a beat writer, I just remember years of the clubhouse, back when we used to be in the clubhouse, would close about four. Um, but teams would try to kick you out as early as they could because many times meeting, you would all of a sudden meeting, yeah, pitcher meeting. Yeah, you, yeah, you'd all of a sudden be looking at your phone and you'd be like, I remember one time you look up more like, Oh, Tommy Hunter, you've been traded, like as he's walking by. And he's like, What? Like, you know, it's a few minutes before four o'clock. Um and it's so stressful. Um, I have definitely broken trade news to guys a few times just by reading Twitter. Ouch. Um 
And so what's weird this year is you don't have that as much, right? You don't have like guys crying at their lockers, guys hugging them goodbye. Remember you don't get Wilmer Flores? Color. I almost wanted to ask him about that because he's here, but I just feel like so rude. Like how, what? How am I going to ask him about crying in the dugout? <laughs> I mean, Kevin Gossman cried when he got traded away from the Orioles. Koji Uehara cried. Like, there. I mean, I've seen so many guys, I feel like, tear up. My lasting thing of Max Scherzer is him crying, bawling when they won the World Series. So, like, these guys cry. Real yeah, men it's, cry. It's not necessarily that. It's just like, what am I going to ask about it? <laughs> no. Remember that hey, time remember you, when you cried? Got traded? <laughs> Remember that really sad day? Um, <laughs> yeah, and, right. and I'll never forget um, Jonathan Scope. We're in New York the year that the Orioles traded a bunch of guys. And Jonathan Scope comes in. It's like late. You know, he came, came in kind of late. It's a few minutes before we get kicked out. He's changing in his locker. He turns around. MLB Network's on that day, which I always think is particularly cruel. It's on that day. And on the scroll, it's like Jonathan Scope's been traded to Detroit. And he turns and he looks and he's like, like he's like what and he runs out and gets on his phone so like it's just um it's just chaos and i think you know as as we tape this i think we have to kind of um couch this whole podcast with there is chaos coming um that we are not aware of yet that's probably going to happen could something be done better i i you know i think of like i I referenced on the last podcast this idea that like you know billy bean doesn't want to be the guy to talk to the player and tell him that he wants right like that's a sort of famous moment that Billy Bean does not want to be the one who breaks the trade news to a player. Uh, and so he either has lackeys do it or, you know, he, he's not going to go into the clubhouse and and take abuse from all the players, you know. <laughs> um, and and that, that came up in the context of the Jared Poto thing. But the one thing is that, like, leaks do matter. And deals aren't always done until they're done all the way, right? So, you know, you've got Britt texting you um, and you haven't yet told the player <laughs> But maybe you're on the way to telling the player or on the or you're about to call the agent or maybe you just got off the phone with the agent. And so you tell Brit and maybe Brit is faster than the agent at getting the player, you know, um, or you have one of these clubhouse situations. I think it's almost unavoidable that sometimes a player will find out not from the team. I think most of the time they find out not from the team. You think it's uh, that I think way. most of the time. Yeah. In the old days where there was like clubhouses and reporters were in there, maybe this year it's a little bit more contained. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like you found out all the time. It was just, and, and you're right. It's hard to like avoid. You can't really avoid it by any means. But uh, yeah, it's just always very chaotic. And you've got guys making GMs making deals like Rizzo last night. It's a great example. He's making one deal. He's already on to the next. Like he agreed in principle, let somebody else handle all the specifics, right, right? right? Like with the, and now he's already like trying to figure out. Okay, can I deal Hudson? Like okay, who else can I deal here today? Right, right. And so, or oh, here goes Schwarber, right? Like so. I think in that so scenario, lots of no times way it's on the agents. No hell that Mike Rizzo is going to be down in the clubhouse. No, he's not like calling Max Scherzer and having a tearful goodbye to Trey Turner. He's worried about his next thing. And so that's what's kind of going on too here. Is but it, maybe it's on could, the agents. Maybe you could send one of your lackeys to the clubhouse and be like an AGM. Send an AGM down to the clubhouse. And It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Usually it's the manager who calls them in like really quickly. But like there's just not enough time. Are you just going to station an AGM in the clubhouse just so that when he gets the text, it just doesn't happen. Those guys are in the war room. Like HR people are supposed to like PR? I'm saying like in real life, it's HR people that reach out to you and tell you what's going on. Maybe it's your supervisor. What's the HR of baseball? Is it PR? The PR people shouldn't have to do that. The the manager. Terrible to ask PR to do it. 
They're busy drafting the release. The, the manager yeah. can pass along that information because a lot of times the managers have been through it. They've had to deal with it. They have, they've experienced it. But the manager's it. also preparing for the game that night. <laughs> you got other coaches, though. You got other coaching staff yeah. on, on board. Like, these, we, know, we know in the trade deadline just, is months I in advance. I just feel bad for these guys as human beings, right? <laughs> like, yeah, this it's is, terrible. It's yeah. terrible. Your, your life is being bandied around on Twitter and 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 you find out from the, the scroll or from the writer that you've been traded. That's just... It feels very uh, like you're being you're a little random number generator that's being tossed around. You're not like a human being, but but the reality of the situation is it's very hard to do something about. Yeah, I mean, if I yeah. if I showed up to do an episode of Rates and Barrels and the little scroll in the bottom of Streamyard said DVR has been traded by the Athletic to Pets.com, that was the first <laughs> time I'd heard about it. I'd be like, hey, this hurts. Like, what's what's yeah. going on? Like, give me give me yeah. a phone call or something. Let me. Let me know from you know the source that this is actually happening. And it, Don't and it's just, find out it's that also way. super relevant to what the the Mariners did because the Mariners traded away Graveman, and so everyone on the team you know gave all these quotes of like how pissed off they were and how it's just like the uh, the Mariners always do this, they always sell, blah 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 blah. But in the end, they got Tyler Anderson, Abraham Toro, and Diego Castillo. They were actually kind of buyers uh, in some, I would say. And uh, I think they, they played it really well, except for that day that everyone on their team trashed their organization. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know that Diego Castillo's yeah. uh, uh, velocity is going down and like that, you know, relievers have short shelf lives and the Rays will trade a reliever at any time. But I think the Mariners did well to, to get him. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like the... The, the personal part of the, the trade deadline is kind of lost. These But these gems also don't have time to go down there and, like, hold guys' hands and explain moves. They're busy making the next move. Yeah, so it is pretty busy. Maybe maybe when the dust settles, they're able to do it. But, I mean, this happens to every guy, whether you're – also the rumors leading up to it mess with guys, too. You know, I, I think I saw Chris Bryant talking about how he likes to eat ice cream and get nine hours of sleep to check out, which, if that's the case, I've been doing it all wrong. Um, but <laughs> – I think I've I think I told this story on this podcast already, but the All Star Game a few years ago when Manny Machado was on the trading block, he called a bunch like me and I, three of the other like regular Oils beat writers into a storage closet underneath Nats Park before the All Star Game closed or started, and was like in tears saying, "You guys would tell me if you knew where I was going, right? Like this weighs on guys. This is something where you're like." You know, it's not just as simple as, okay, you go to this team, see you later. Um, if you don't have 10-5 rights like Scherzer and, and Danny Duffy, uh, which is rare, it's really hard to have 10 years of service time, five with the same team so that you can have a little control over your future. Um, you know, Trey Turner yesterday, I'm sure they were just absolutely felt like they got gut punched, right? All of a sudden, oh, pack it up, go to LA with your newborn and your wife and like, hurry it up. We got to be there. Um, you know, it, I think it's, um, it's a really tough thing for guys to deal with the the human side of things. And every year I'm like, I'm going to write about all these crazy trade stories I've seen. And every year I get too busy and I'm like, oh, I'll write about it next year. So instead, I'm just talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Castillo thing is another notch in the, hey, the Mariners are trying to hang around a little bit and, and see what they can do this year, which I think they took the the clubhouse took the first trade that was made as a shot at them. Like, hey, we're not going for it this year. And I don't think that's necessarily what they're doing. I think they're just trying to have good balance, take a reasonable shot at this year while continuing to get better. Castillo yeah. is is better than Graveman because at the very least because Castillo is around next year. But is JT Chargois, who went back to Tampa Bay in this deal, is he just as good as Diego Castillo? Doesn't seem like the Rays are any worse off in the bullpen after this trade. 
The one thing I would say, and yeah. maybe Castillo doesn't actually solve that, but the one thing I would say is, does the Rays bullpen have standout velocity? Right now, the velocity leaders in the bullpen are Rasmussen at 97, which is pretty good, and uh, Chargois at 96. I guess that's okay. Didn't we talk on this podcast that velocity is becoming less of a thing and it's more about the deception and, and building a bullpen of different arm angles? Yeah, and different movements. It could be could be fine, I right? guess. Right? It's just, it's Instead just, of just a stable of guys who throw 98 as cool as that quote was. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I don't know. I just look at that bullpen and I'm like, okay, that's that's the championship bullpen? Maybe it is. Are they done, though? Are the Rays done? Because I think a lot of relievers are going to... The relievers are always the last-minute deadline guys, right? I think. I feel like. It's like, oh, there's a flurry of reliever movement because you realize, hey, we're not going to get much more for this guy. So we might as well either sell or we're stuck with a reliever we don't need for two months. I think we'll see a bunch more get moved in the next few hours. They, that's always the case. You see 15 or 20 relievers, it seems like, on the move every single deadline. Even guys that aren't in Major League bullpens, those types of guys get shuttled around in small deals, too. The Rays just bought uh, Sean Armstrong, who was in the minors the for the Orioles. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was odd and, I don't know, Is that for cash considerations. By the way... It has um, options or something? There's I, also I like a 40-man or- crunch thing, right? Yeah, I don't know. By the way, this has kind of been bothering me. Like the Orioles, like don't you have to kind of make some moves here? Where's your rebuild? Well, I think the problem with the Orioles is they have no interesting rentals other than maybe Freddie Galvis. And then uh, they don't necessarily want to trade means. So why? uh, Got time left. You could trade them in the winter too. Maybe they should trade means. I don't know. No urgency to do it right now if you don't get an offer that you like, though. If it's a buyer's market, True. don't trade John Means right now. Trade him in the winter when everybody trading, is looking for help. Trading Mancini seems mean. Yep. So really all yeah. you got is Galvis and Franco. Nobody wants Franco. What about your boy Tanner Scott? You mentioned that last night on Twitter Spaces. Uh, that's, that, yeah, that's one I would I would shop at because like it's a reliever, you know. Maybe Tanner Scott. Tanner Scott to the Rays. Here we go. <laughs> well, we'll there's say goodbye some, to Britt. Britt has to go, so we've got a little more show to get to. So, Britt, we hope you enjoy the rest of the deadline, and we'll uh, look forward to talking to you again. Well, I will look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. You'll be here while I'm gone next week. So, Good luck texting. Yes. I know. Well, you know what, guys? It's just people not answering me. <laughs> May your text land at the top of everyone's queue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. An old Irish beat writer blessing. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right, guys. Um, I will uh, see you soon, and I'll see you on the other side of this trade deadline. All right. We will catch you later, Britt. All right. You know, I think there's another uh, small trade that's pretty interesting. The White Sox picked up Cesar Hernandez, which we all thought Adam Frazier was going to be a member of the White Sox after the deadline. Obviously, he went to San Diego earlier this week, but Hernandez fits perfectly. They needed second base coverage with Nick Madrigal down for the season. He gets on base. I'm not really buying the uptick in power for this year, but this is the kind of move that doesn't cost you much to make, and it actually leaves some pretty interesting playing time available for Cleveland, where they had a logjam in the middle infield. Now they can probably play Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez together at short and second if they want to, or they could throw Owen Miller out there at second base. Uh, But Hernandez to the White Sox, I think, is one of a few moves we're going to see from them between now and the deadline later today. You know, I think it actually has the chance to be the most impactful move at the deadline, which is like a crazy thing to say. But if you think about it in these terms, the White Sox before the trade were a bottom five second base situation in terms of depth charts. 
And now after the trade, they're a top 10 situation. So in terms of turning like a real weakness into a strength, um, I wouldn't. I would say that that's happened more there than almost anywhere else. Because if you're talking about Max Scherzer, um, you're really upgrading from. I mean, I guess you could say you're upgrading from Tony Gonsolin to Max Scherzer, but um, I don't think it, it's really going to work out that way. Like, I don't think that you're basically taking the Dodgers rotation, which was top three, and you're making it top two, top one, (laughs) like it's not the same sort of impact. If you think about Anthony Rizzo, they were seventh in the big leagues with Luke Voigt. And I know that's projections versus what's happened to date. And that, that can throw people off because they'd be like, what the, you know, the Yankees are the seventh best first base situation with Luke Voigt. Maybe it's a lost year. Maybe the projections are wrong, but that's the kind of true talent Luke Voigt has. And they went up to fourth with Anthony Rizzo, you know, not that big of a move. Uh, the Joey Gallo one, um, I, it, there's a lot of shifting stuff you'd have to look at. So maybe that was a really impactful. What are, you, what are you replacing? Starling Marte is the other one. You're replacing Piscotty and Brown, which had to be a bottom five situation. Yeah, and I think every time we've looked at the A's, we just keep saying the middle infield has to change, the middle infield has to change. Well, Hernandez also, would have been a good fit in Oakland. That could have right been a good move for really the A's to really had to change too. Yeah, it, it did. I think you were right to point that out because Piscotty is just not the guy we wanted him to be a few years ago. Brown looks more like a quad A sort of player. So three clear needs in that lineup, one upgraded in Oakland already, but another guy that would have fit really well off the board to someone else. So I still wonder if they're actual players for Trevor Story. I feel like the Rockies are going to botch that trade so badly that Oakland could put together a pretty light package and still come away with one of the better available players at the deadline. That's what I'm th- that's I, that's why I keep saying athletics. I just they always have a surprise, right? And if nobody comes to the table with the right the right person for for Story, then maybe it'll happen. But um I also I also share everyone's cynicism that the, the A's will get Story. I understand money, blah blah blah. Money, blah. yep. But uh Cesar Hernandez is also interesting for another reason. This is kind of off topic, but so from 2019 to 2020 Cesar Hernandez was a contact guy, spray hitter, had three like 2.8% barrels, right? Um, and he was exactly league average by WRC+. This year, uh, he has 9% barrels. You know, his hard hit is up by like 50%. Uh, he's obviously like changed his approach. He's league average by WRC+. <laughs> so it's like... I don't know if maybe sometimes these changes that people make are like, think about Yonder Alonso's career too, right? You know, I had this big argument with someone because I was like, he's better now. He's hitting homers. He's better. But if you kind of look at the shape of his career, you know, he was a pretty good player with the, the launch angle or without, <laughs> Like he was kind mm-hmm. of like different in each case, but in each case, in the end, he was just a pretty good player, you know? So it's like, uh, I, I wonder sometimes if it's either cosmetic or if they, you just have a true talent. And then if you're going to maybe try to go for the barrels and the homers or go for the spray hitting, you're still going to end up in the same place, maybe, for some of these guys. That's one thought. The other thought is there's been a, there was a little bit of positive batted luck, as much as we understand about batted luck. Uh, in the first sample for his Hernandez, and a little bit of negative batted luck, batted ball luck in the second. However, if you're going to hit fly balls, you may have poor batted ball numbers in other cases. You know what I mean? Like you may have a poor Babbitt if you hit a lot of fly balls. 
So uh, I would say that generally I prefer the second Cesar Hernandez, the one who can hit for power and hopefully has better luck in the future and is better than uh, league average. But it is interesting to me that like both of these very different versions of Cesar Hernandez ended up in the same place. Yeah, in some ways, the power surge from Hernandez reminds me of what we saw from Eduardo Escobar a few mm-hmm. years ago. Escobar was on the move after we recorded on Wednesday. He ends up with the Brewers, and I think that... That was the kind of trade that as soon as it broke, it was like, yep, that makes sense because he can play multiple infield spots. And I think the Brewers seem to be prioritizing harmony in the clubhouse. There was a great piece that Zach Buchanan wrote recently about Eduardo Escobar and the impact he's had on the clubhouse in Arizona. He had this reputation. I mean, even before he was in Arizona, Eduardo Escobar in Minnesota was always a popular guy in the clubhouse there, too. So when you think about how you're going to make pieces fit, it's not just the depth chart. It actually is personalities within that core of 26 guys in the locker room and making sure that you're good to go there. And I think, you know, with Escobar, it's one more guy on the infield. It makes things more crowded. It takes a guy like Keston Hira and makes him more of a role guy than someone they have to lean on. It gives them insurance in case something happens to Colton Wong, who's had a lot of trouble with his oblique injury this year. Uh, So I just thought this was a really good fit and obviously another guy that didn't really take much in terms of, of prospects that were traded away. Uh, to give the Brewers a nice rental on the the left side of the infield prim- primarily. Yeah, it's very interesting because using the rubric that I was using for like Cesar Hernandez and Anthony Rizzo, um, it didn't actually move the needle that much. The Brewers are still below average by depth charts at third base and first base. However, they're not the very bottom. Um, and I I just like I just like this kind of roster construction where you have they they have like three guys who can play every position. It feels like. You know, yeah. and what that does, there's it's twofold. First of all, it ensures you against injury. You know, there's, there's no one player on that infield that gets hurt and you're like, ah, there goes the season. You know what I mean? Uh, and then second, it actually uh, sets you up for a sort of lotto ticket sort of season. Right. What happens if Escobar comes over and uh, goes into a funk? It's OK. You kind of maybe Urea starts over him more often. It's fine. You got another guy. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, or, you know, maybe Rowdy Telez goes into a funk or whatever. So you've got guys to kind of ensure against massive injury or massive uh, sort of failure to, to perform to expectations. And a lot of them have options. Uh, so, like, you know, you can move things around. Uh, and personally, I just love Rowdy Telez. I love Willie Adamas. Uh, I, I, you know, I think Colton Wong is a, is a good fit for that park. They're they're excellent defensively, like right? Aren't they excellent defensively at every every position now? Telez, I guess, is an, is a question. Everywhere it matters, anyway, they're above average or excellent, which is huge. Telez is a question mark, but now let's say you get a lead, you take Telez out of the game. If it's a big enough lead, or you just want to nurse nurse that lead, you put Escobar at first. It's probably he's probably better defender there than Rowdy. Anyway, yep. it's it's a fun it's a it's a nice way to construct a team. I don't actually people were saying there's more to go go. I don't know, maybe another reliever. You never know with relievers, but that the way that team is constructed, it's not obvious to me that they need to get something in cer- in a certain place. That's a team that's built to win the games they can win and lose the games they're going to lose. And, you know, we'll see about the other third. I guess I wouldn't be stunned if Carlos Santana ended up there, right? If the Royals are going to move him, if Boston doesn't get him, I think a guy that could just be the regular first baseman, that'd push Rowdy into a bench lefty role. Or if I were the Royals, I might take Rowdy for Carlos. 
Yeah, right. Take the chance on Rowdy, like Rowdy in a prospect or something for Carlos, like a lower level guy. I mean, there's a number of ways to to make something like that work. And the other thing I wonder about with the Brewers is if, if the right player becomes available. Do they actually move Keston Hira? They, do they sell low? I mean, sometimes you just have a player and you don't want to wait it out any longer because the value uh, seems like it's bottomed out, but it hasn't bottomed out I've got out a yet. name for you like that. Luis Urias. I'm saying the Padres sold low on Luis Urias. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and they they absolutely did. They and just I got think, to a point where... But it worked out for them. They got Trent Grisham. So... What do you think the gap is between Grisham and Urias this season? Obviously, last season Grisham was fantastic, but just from a, a pure production not, standpoint, not look. Don't look it up. What do you? How, how close do you think they are? I'd say that Grisham is blowing him out of the water. If I'm not looking, I would say like Grisham has. Th- oh, but he's been hurt. Well, but I mean, just like in terms of, of like WRC plus. Okay, things WRC are, plus. I'd say Grisham is at like you know 120 level, and Urias is like 105. Yeah, it's 118 for Grisham and 103 for Urias. I mean, it's still a trade that looks much better for the Padres. But defensive Brewer- value. Defensive value matters, and the Brewers are getting something. Who has more defensive value? Uh, Defensive value right now. It's got Fangrass has Urias as a negative as a defender playing third. I think he'd be above average up the middle, especially at second base, but you're not going to play him there with Wong. Grisham, they've got above average. So I think... That still favors. That still favors San Diego too. Uh, it's it's interesting to see Lauer's kind of a, a piece for them too. So that that trade it's possible is possible that War does not have uh, infield outfield positional value completely one hundred percent sussed. You know, Jeff Zimmerman has a really good piece about revisiting positional value um, on the Hardball Times. If you want to look it up, um, where he had actually different positional adjustments than War has. And then if you think about it in terms of how teams actually act in on in terms of trading, um, uh, there are teams that won't even trade for an outfielder. They just think they can make them, you know. And you, but at the same time, you look at the Indians who are having uh, a horrible time, and they keep trying to trade for outfielders, and it's not working out. But I think if you asked an exec, would you rather have a good infielder or a good outfielder? They would say they'd rather have a good infielder. Like One all more- things being equal. Yeah, yeah, I would. I think so. Uh, we got one more trade rumor to get to. This is from MLB Trade Rumors. Apparently, the Blue Jays are now a leading suitor for Jose Barrios. Oh, which, the they could team. use him, man. And it's and I like how it's also building for next year. That's that's a good move. And this is uh, from uh, Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic. So I just keep refreshing oh. trade rumors because I've only got what so many tabs. What is Preller gonna do if he doesn't get Barrios, dude? What's left? He's going to call the Rockies and actually give him something for Gray. Pryoway, is- John Gray. Who else could he get? Who could he get that we don't think is available? Sandy Alcantara. Someone, yeah, him or someone like him. We didn't think Jesus Lazardo was going anywhere. What would it take to get Sandy Alcantara? Would you have to give up Cronenworth? I'll, let me ask you another question. Would you give up Cronenworth as part of a deal to get him? Because I don't think it's just Cronenworth. I think you'd be Cronenworth and something else. No, but maybe, I guess, like, Hassel, Hassel's a name that they don't want to give up, but keeps getting floated, and there's enough smoke around that. I think if I was the, um, I think that the Marlins have shown that they might trade a pitcher for somebody like Hassel, right? Think about it. They traded Zach Gallen for uh, Ch- Jazz Chisholm. Mm-hmm. So, I think... 
Alcantara for Hassel. That's interesting. What about um, Luis Campusano as a possible fit there? Yeah, I think they. I, I think they want to hold on to him, but maybe, uh, maybe Camposano. You know, I think they're definitely going to hold on to CJ Abrams. Abrams. Yeah, I don't think Abrams is going anywhere. But the reason I think the Marlins might consider something with Campusano is because if you look at their top twenty prospects, they don't have a catcher in that group. They don't so have that position do have figured out for the long haul. Alfaro, little more time. He's twenty eight already. Is Alfaro ever going to be more than he is right now? Like I think we no. kind of know who he is, what he is. He's not. He's not your catcher of the future anymore. Yeah. So I think that might be a, a thing that develops where it is a controllable pitcher. And yeah, they got to give up something that's more important to them long term. But it might be the move they have to make if the more established starters, the expiring guys, the more senior guys available. I mean, all go somewhere else. Even if you think Jesus Lazardo might end up in the bullpen, they still have like eight quality starters uh, for as options for next year. Yeah, I like it. So I think we both agree Chris Bryant's going somewhere. And then there's the means. The we keep talking about means. Like maybe means is a is a surprise. But but I just don't uh, like if I'm the Padres, it's like they got Max Scherzer. We got John Means. The nice get, but not as impactful. And even st- Sandy, at least, throws so hard that you could be like, "Oh yeah, well, we got a ninety-eight mile an hour flame throwing twenty-year-old." So take your octogenarian and shove him. I mean, there's not really a lot of ways to counter a Max Scherzer trade. I'm older than Max Scherzer. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so just to be clear, good to disclose that. Yeah. I am uh, also a tick younger than Max Scherzer, for what it's worth, but not we're, wow. we're not far apart. We're only a couple months apart. Mm-hmm. Hey, happy birthday to Congratulations. Max. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, no, it was Max's birthday, actually, a few days ago. We should have uh, pointed that out uh, at the time. That's right. So, but we'll see if that deal actually goes through. Remember, it's still not official, at least as of the time of this recording. So we're anxiously awaiting the conclusion of that deal. Chris Bryant's going to go somewhere, right? I mean, like, that's got to happen. You already traded Rizzo. Bryant has to go somewhere. That's inevitable. Story is inevitable. There's a few more moves that have to happen. Which, this is going to be a big deadline. Like one of the more impactful trade deadlines we've seen in a long time, actually. I think it's because the buying price has come down. And it's been part of a multi-year trend. But I think it's also encouraged teams to go out and, and make the big splash. Because the big splash doesn't cost you a huge part of your future the way it would have five plus years ago. Yeah, Brit seems to think that the burials to the Jays has happened. Is it? Did she tweet it? Is it reported? I don't know. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Ken Rosenthal, Barrios to the Blue Jays, source tells The Athletic. So we do not know the return yet. Should we speculate on the return? Because that'll be fun. And it looks like John Morosi has Simeon Woods-Richardson as part of that deal. Oh, you know, I had a source tell me a while back that they thought that the Jays had acquired Simeon, Blue, uh, Simeon Woods Richardson to flip him. So that's interesting. You go from oh. Marcus Stroman to Jose Barrios uh, with your uh, nickel and string idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, I think Simeon Woods Richardson is similar to like Mike Soroka as a prospect, a guy that's very young, very polished, and could be very good in not a lot of time. So I do like that for the Twins if, if he's part of the return. I wonder if we'll see Buxton get moved then. You know, if you're moving Barrios, you might as well start tearing down more pieces. Maybe they'll be the team that on Friday acts a lot like the the Nats did 
on Thursday. Rogers, Rogers, the other two pieces that have value that are locked down for next year are Rogers and Buxton, yeah. And Duffy, I guess. Taylor Rogers to San Francisco makes sense, right? He could pitch with his brother. <laughs> I love it, actually. I love it. Because I do think the the thing that the, the San Francisco needs is a power righty with a second pitch. Well, or just a power righty. Because they've got the they've got a power lefty with one pitch in Jake McGee, and then they've got the submarining righty. They just don't have like a traditional closer type uh, that I think I think they could use it. I thought they could use Hudson. I you know I still think Kimbrel because of the money, but yeah, that's funny. Rogers and Rogers, that'd be great. like you could you could at least get some like marketing time out of it, and mm-hmm. it'd be fun fun to have those guys pitching together. Uh, it looks like multiple prospects going back to the Twins. This is according to Jeff Passan of ESPN. So we're, we'll see if the return comes in the next couple minutes before uh, we sign off. But that kind of leaves Kyle Gibson as the, the next available. But this puts San Diego in that dreaded position that we were just talking about. What does A.J. Preller do now to get starting pitching? And hopefully it is something call really exciting. Call, call the Marlins right now. The Marlins should call the Padres and be like, hey, we got some I guys. Hear, Let's I hear talk. it didn't work out. <laughs> We're here for you. It's like an ex-girlfriend calling back. <laughs> I think it should be like a like an insurance commercial, like where they just they're like, "We're here to be your friend <laughs> all the time." And you're like, "You're just here to take yeah, my right. money." Like, <laughs> you just like me because you know I'll pay you money every month. Come on. It is funny that you know how much we're feeling around in the dark when we prognosticate on the. Um, and you're listening to Brit. Like some of it is is random about like who gets that who's number one on a, on a text message thread, you know? Um, and then the other thing is like, there's definitely obfuscation where they're like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll never, we're never going to, you know, we have to be blown away for Trey Turner. Oh yeah. We'll take Caver Ruiz. I mean, I guess that could be blown away. It's a very good prospect. Um, maybe not as good as what we once thought, but no. So the whole idea was that AJ Preller is a big swinger. Who's going to, you know, take whatever swing he's going to take. And, and so far he's gotten Daniel Hudson. He'll get there. He'll get something. I don't know who it is, but he's going to get someone or something to make that roster better. His reputation is so cemented that we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pull this. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna believe this to the end. <laughs> so here's the other rumor or report that's going around. Ken Rosendahl reporting that the Rays are talking with the Cubs about both Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell, which is, I think, in line just with the. Hey, the Rays are doing something big and different. This isn't just going to be the Rays playing also, both ends. Also, like me looking at their bullpen being like, is this is this the bullpen? Well, I, I just think if you put Kimberl in at the back and do all of your mixing and matching in the fifth through the eighth, it's a good thing. You get one more really good arm in there that you feel good about. Also, Kimberl, oh, other than... Bryant being able to play all over is a total Rays thing. Yeah, so I wonder... Who's the best prospect they would trade? Is Videl Brujan the kind of guy that they would actually move in a deal to, to get both of those players? Uh, I think I don't think it's someone with as much positional value. Like they traded Nate Low, right? I like maybe Josh Lau. Low. Let's see, Brandon Lau, <gasps> Josh Low, Nate Low. So Josh Low. <laughs> Maybe they trade Josh Lowe. Uh, it seems like a, a person they might trade. Um, maybe a sell low on uh, Honeywell. Yeah, I could see um, a team being interested in Honeywell because even if you if you don't know what you're going to get volume wise from him, they could still be quality innings, even if it's eighty to hundred every year instead of you know one fifty plus. 
But how do you fit Bryant and Kimbrell? I mean, I get, uh, right now, their luxury tax number is $84 million. Their estimated 2021 payroll is $67 million on roster resource. And their estimated final 2020 payroll is $74 million. Uh, Kimbrell is due about $4 million. Maybe that works. And then they just, you know what happens is they trade Kimbrell before the season. <laughs> Whoa, here you go. Here's the return for Jose Barrios. Uh-huh. Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson going to the Twins. That's a wow. great trade for Minnesota. Like, I think we've talked about Barrios and long-term value and how we think he's going to age. That is a fantastic deal. It could work out really well for both sides. I love that trade for Minnesota because Martin is not far away. Woods Richardson's not far away. Both could be impact players. That's That's an awesome trade. If you're That's a Twins fan, there was... you got to be about as happy as you can be trading players away based on the market we're seeing for that return. That's almost a better return than what the Dodgers gave up to get Scherzer and Trey Turner. Yeah, you might have Martin on some lists ahead. Uh, there was some chatter at the uh, Futures game that Martin wasn't impressing. Um, and that's it's a one-game look. Uh, but he just wasn't showing power to all fields. He was kind of uh, looking kind of slappy. He's had an injury, I think, that might have affected his swing that people were talking about. Uh, that's just why he might have fallen in certain estimations. And it's kind of hard to use uh, preseason lists to be like, oh, he was number whatever in the preseason because we know that even compared to the like the normal year, so much has changed since the preseason for these lists. I uh, kind of wish that everybody uh, felt compelled to do full 100s um, and full, like, every every team uh, before, you know, at the All-Star break or something so that we would have something uh, fresher to look at. I do know that Baseball America is doing uh, team-by-teams right now um, and that Baseball Perspectives had a midseason top 50, uh, but that's, uh, you know, we're we're still kind of, there's still an information gap there between the preseason lists and what we're looking at now. So I just wanted to put, put out there why maybe uh, they would trade Martin in this deal. Uh, but what do the Blue Jays need more than anything? I would say starting pitching and under control uh, for another year so that if they either only get the wild card this year or don't make the postseason this year, they have an asset for next year. And maybe someone you think about extending too, if you can get the terms right. I mean, I know it's hard for the Blue Jays sometimes to lure free agents, but you just never know. You get a guy in there, he enjoys being there, likes the young group around him. Maybe you can actually get ahead of the market in free agency. Why would you extend him and not Marcus Stroman? I guess uh, one reason is maybe uh, some health outcomes. Mm -hmm. Stroman has had uh, some health issues, uh, which don't ever seem to be related to his arm all the time but uh he has has been hurt uh from time to time and then also if you just look at things like stuff and command numbers which i know the blue jays use um uh barrios is is preferable you might see something there that you just think will age better yeah i'm blown away by this return only because we have not seen a lot of prospects that are in that definitely by name value like we're not seeing guys like this get moved very often like I think Ruiz and Martin by name value and probably by sort of consensus rank were the top two prospects moved so far. Yeah, Ruiz. I think you made a good but point. Ruiz, both of them, both of them 
have taken a step back from where maybe they their peak rankings were. <laughs> yeah, but I think you had a good point earlier with Ruiz. Because of Will Smith especially, you were never going to have a scenario. I mean, even if you have universal DH, the Dodgers have so much depth at other positions that DHing Will Smith a lot and playing play both, both of those guys was never going to be a priority. So it made all the sense in the world to actually trade him away. And I think, you know, we did see Ruiz show a nice uptick in power at AAA this year. So I... I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up looking like a key like, player moved and a guy. Like that, if we look back, the two best players were moved were like Martin and, and Ruiz. It's certainly possible. There's a lot of catchers that can hit for power like that, bring a 30% K rate with it. And that's not Ruiz They're at all. They're also not like 17-year-olds in A-ball, which, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of the other pieces that are being moved are like 17-year-olds in A-ball. <laughs> Absolutely. Well... I think we're going to wrap it up here because if we don't wrap it up, we'll be on for two and a half more hours. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I think we got pretty lucky in this case. And you're going back on uh, with Keith Law. Yep. So if you hear this before Uh, four Eastern, there is going to be a live stream for the athletic baseball show. I'll be on with Keith Law. We'll have a few of our beat writers on talking about all the trades that have happened in the last week or so, kind of talking about the winners, the losers, digging in a little bit deeper on some of the prospects, some of the guys that Keith is more familiar with, that you hear some of these younger names, you're like, whoa, never seen that guy. Haven't really seen him play anywhere. Keith's dialed in. He'll have some more information about some of these players and get a better picture of, of what some of these returns look like. Obviously, you know, we're digging into prospects too, but that's his wheelhouse. So looking forward to doing that a little later this afternoon. If you don't have a subscription already, this is a fantastic time to sign up. $3.99 a month gets you in the door at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Be sure to do that. On Twitter, he's at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. And as I mentioned previously, the schedule next week is moving week. Literally the week that I'm driving across the country for my move. So we have shows lined up on Wednesday and Friday. We'll be back to the usual Monday, Wednesday, Friday plan the week after I make it to California. So I hope everybody enjoys the shows while I am out. I will try to enjoy the scenes of Interstate I-80. Um, on your rocket ship? On my rocket ship. Yep, looking forward to, to another, that. Another life. A brand new life uh, beginning uh, on Monday. So I hope everybody has a good weekend. Enjoy. Go west, young man. Go west. Going west. I'm looking forward to the weather upgrade, especially when the weather turns here. So that is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We're back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.